What a special time of year we celebrate. And I've thought this week as I see Christmas shows on, and uh, now I don't watch the Hallmark Channel, but I know that's probably what it's been about the whole week, about Christmas. And as the world celebrates Christmas, how could this entire world miss what truly Christmas is about? Without Christ being in Christmas, there's no need of celebration. If it's simply about, and how wonderful it is, if it's just about families gathering up and the exchanging of gifts and lights, I don't see much celebration in it. For us as the redeemed, we are to take Christmas personally. And you and I cannot celebrate Christmas unless we put worship by the moving of the Holy Spirit in our heart. Is only when true celebration comes, it will come through worshiping heart. This morning I want Calvary Baptist Church to take personally today the birth of Jesus Christ the Lord. If you would look with me in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we'll start our reading there in verse 1. You can say, well, Pastor, you was preached that two weeks ago. I know what I preached two weeks ago. I'm good. Just hang in here with me. I can remember two weeks. Get me to say it, maybe not. Luke chapter 2, starting there in verse 1. And it came to pass in those days uh, that there went out a degree of Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this tax was the first made by Serenius, was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with, his, uh, with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her uh, firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in that, um, that same country shepherds abiding, their fi- uh, the, uh, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the uh, the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and a babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all uh, they that heard it wondered at those things which 
were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray a great pouring out of the Holy Spirit upon Calvary Baptist Church. Lord, I pray that we put the thoughts of gifts, we put the thoughts of lights, we put the thoughts of eating and family to the side. And today, through the moving of the Holy Spirit, I pray that you penetrate each and every heart. And today, that you would be worshipped, that Christ would be lifted on high, His name lifted on high, that every heart would celebrate what Christmas truly is. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that the power of it can penetrate the heart. And Lord, if there be one here today that doesn't have that worship of Christmas, I pray that you would put that on them. And Lord, if there be one here that can't get that worship of, of Christmas because they've never given their heart to Jesus Christ, I pray that that would be the day today. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ under His authority that Satan be barred from this place, that you move upon your people. And it's in Christ's name I ask it. Amen. What a wonderful story. Amen. What a glorious story. What a great time of year that we as God's children have a privilege to be able to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ our Lord. I believe that God chose in the telling of this the greatest story the world has ever known. He used little incidents. He used little things and little tasks, little people, little places to give us the story of Jesus Christ coming into the world. But He gave us that for a purpose. And that purpose is for us to learn from it. Everything the Word of God is to learn from. You cannot read the account in Luke, of the birth of Jesus Christ and say there is anything in it that mankind would call big. It's all simple stuff. Simple little things. Even His birth. The humbleness of the birth of Christ. Now I want to get you a picture of what we're going to celebrate this morning. I'm going to show you this picture of worship that should be in our heart. In eternity past, God saw what mankind would do. He knew the disobedience of man. He knew that man would fall away, that man would cause destruction upon himself. But out of the love of God, His grace was poured out, and He chose the best glory He had. And He chose Jesus Christ, His only begotten, that would come and be the redemption for mankind to pay the sin debt for all man. And then he came. With all the reverence that I can put upon this story, I want to use that this morning. We've got Jesus Christ is going to come into this world. Now, you take this. I want you to get this. He was in a stable is where he was born. He was born around where animals are fed. A star followed him. Well, you know who created all that, Brother Joey? He did. The creator of all things came humbly to this world. 
He gave up knowledge. He gave up wisdom to be uh, come in flesh. God in flesh incarnate. He came and gave up so much. And I say this out of reverence. That He allowed a human being to take care of Him when He is God. How humble. Just that alone should humble us this morning. And I believe there's a wonderful and beautiful lesson wrapped up in this story of the birth of Jesus Christ. First thing I see in it is that God uses little people. Little people. Now in that uh, the time that Mary and Joseph had traveled to Bethlehem in that city that day, there were many wealthy men and great teachers in Bethlehem. But it was not to them whom the angels appeared. There were great men of learning. There was great wealth in Bethlehem at this time. But that's not who God chose to announce the birth of Christ to. You see, their ears didn't hear glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. No, God in His perfect wisdom uh, did not choose to send the angels to them with this great message, but God sent the angels to give the greatest news the world had ever heard to simple little shepherds. Simple little humble men, little people. But not only that, God didn't choose one of the elite to carry His Son in her womb. Mary was not a fashionable woman. Mary was not a wealthy lady of Nazareth. No, she was just a poor little Jewish girl. And then God chose a carpenter, a carpenter to head the home in which His Son would be raised in. Just a carpenter. Surely this story doesn't make much sense, does it? Not a priest, although he is the high priest. He didn't choose an educated man to raise in his own. I want to tell you how great this is for us today. If Jesus Christ would have been born and put on that, uh, raised in a palace somewhere, if he would have been raised by uh, high uh, up people, educated people, rich people, there would always be something in man's heart thinking, I can't get to him. God knows exactly what he's doing. It tells us in the Word of God that the angels told him that all could come. All could come, which shall be to all people. He was approachable. God uses little people to do big things. God will use me. God will use you to do great and mighty things if we'll just be obedient to Him. The Word of God shows it throughout. A young man, youth. Word of God, uh, in studying it you'll find that 
David was somewhere between the ages of 13 to 16 years old, tending his father's sheep. Philistines had came up against God's chosen people. His daddy, unknowingly, Jesse, said, I need you just to carry some food to your brothers, the captains of the army. And yet David got there and defeated the enemy of God's people. Little David. Who did God use to defeat the Midianites using 300 men? Were they from a university? Were men of great military knowledge? No, it was a man named Gideon who was actually hiding behind a wine press thrashing wheat. Gideon was a runt kid of a runt family, of a runt tribe, of a runt nation. And God chose him to lead an army and put to flight the enemy of all God's people. Little man God used in a great and mighty way. Who was it that led Israel out of bondage towards the promised land, crossed the Red Sea upon dry ground? Who was it that received the instructions of God's law? It was a slave boy who was placed in a little boat in the Nile River, and God intervened. Moses was his name. Who was it that the Lord uh, got uh, started to uh, was feeding 5,000? Who was it that God used to feed this multitude of people there? Did he call in a big catering service? Was it a large restaurant that put this feast on? No, it was just a little boy with a lunch basket of five loaves and two fish. God will use little people. I'm so glad today that he'll use common people. You see, God's not a respecter of person. Don't think that your income or what you own has anything to do with what God wants of you in your life. The individual that gives their tithe, and it doesn't matter what it is as long as it's just your tithe. The person that just gives all that they got, it doesn't matter what that is. As long as you're obedient, God uses common people and He doesn't put anyone above anyone else. The beautiful thing about God is this. One day when I get into glory, I won't have to take a back seat to the Apostle Paul. Won't have to, nor will I with Peter, James, or John. We'll all be the same. We're all the same. You remember that sign? Some may not be old enough to. May have seen it in some magazine. Remember that sign of World War II that says, Uncle Sam wants you? Remember that? He's got that American flag top hat and he's pointing over, big gray beard. You remember that? Praise the Lord, here's your chance today. God wants to use you, and God wants to use me. God wants to use us today. So today, here's our chance. Some will say, well, you know, I'm the one in my family that's actually considered the least of them all to succeed. I'm that black sheep of the family. Well, you know, that's what was said about David, King David. Where Jesus was born, the lineage of David. Well, you know, I'm not very good at talking in a crowd. I'm not a very good speaker. That's just what Moses said. He said, well, I don't have a, an education. Well, that's, neither did Peter. 
When God shook our nation with a preacher, he used a man that people said was crazy named D.L. Moody. And he used this uh, man named Billy Sunday who threw away his baseball glove, put away his spike, stumbled into a mission, a drunk bum, and came out a transformed child of God. And God used him. Here's our chance. So when God prepares to do great and mighty things for this world, He doesn't always use people who are well known from which families are well educated. God wants to use those who love Him. That's the requirement today. Love God. That's your requirement. No matter what society says, what uh, economic group you fall into, I'm going to tell you what's the requirement. Are you available today to be used of God? You start loving God, God will use you right where you're at. Because God loses little people. Second thing that I want us to see is God uses little places. Oh, praise God for this. Uses little places. Now, there were many beautiful places in Palestine during this time. There were great estates. There were nice hotels for the wealthy. There were plush homes and even palaces in Palestine. But when uh, our Lord came to this world, God used a manger inside a stable in Bethlehem. And that's the nice way of saying a trough in a barn. Now I want to tell you the tie between Bethlehem and Jesus. Do you know what the word Bethlehem means? House of bread. Where else would the bread of life come from but from a house of bread? Now think about this for a moment. The Last Supper was held in a borrowed room. 5,000 were fed on a hillside. King David was called from a field watching over his father's sheep. The Son of God was buried in a borrowed tomb. Most of Paul's writing was done in a dungeon, and Moses saw a burning bush in a deserted desert. I believe that it is totally possible today that the next Billy Graham or Lottie Moon has been sitting in the Sunday school of Calvary Baptist Church because God uses little places and little people. Don't you ever underestimate the way God will use His church, no matter its size. does not matter. i tell you what matters. It's the heart of God's people at church is what God uses in great and mighty ways. I believe today, with all of my heart, that God can use a small church in a small county in a small state, a small town, and can change a nation through it if that church will be obedient. Oh, look. Praise God, that's us. That is us. We're that small church that can change a small town in a small county in a small state. And we can touch the world if we'll just be obedient to Jesus Christ the Lord. Find God's will for our lives carried out like we owe Him something as we do. Be obedient to Him in searching out the will for our lives. Act like we've been redeemed and search our hearts and allow Him to move in it. God will use Small people 
in small places. But you know, also he uses small things. He uses little things. He can use little things. You know, God used a manger and swaddling clothes. You know, God didn't tell Moses to lift up a golden rod or magic wand to part the Red Sea and all just no shepherd's rod. You see, God doesn't need big things to make big things happen. That's where we get all confused about this. We think we have to get to a big spot in our lives before God can use us. No, I'm going to tell you where you really get when you, God can use you. No matter what you are in life, no matter who you are in life, when you will get little, God will get big. When you start putting yourself back and making yourself small, God will do big things through you. God doesn't need big things of you. He just needs little things of you and you get obedient to Him and He'll do big things through you. God just desires us to be in His will, period. Just love Him. God will use little things. Don't you ever underestimate anything you do every day, but we'll put it in this holiday season since that's what we're thinking of. We'll put it during this time that we celebrate and worship uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. Don't you ever underestimate one kind word when that word is from the moving of the Holy Spirit. Don't you ever underestimate one small action that means would mean nothing to anyone else once the Holy Spirit has told you to do it. We can never know how God will use just Simple little actions of love on our part to move in that. Little things. Heard a story one time of Michelangelo. He'd been working on a painting for weeks. His friend had been in and out watching him work upon this. and A few days had passed. His friend hasn't been there. And the friend returned to his home. And Michelangelo was sitting in front of this painting, and as he looked at the painting that Michelangelo was sitting in front of, he said, you know, I haven't been here in several days, so you haven't been working on the painting? He said, oh, no. Worked on it day and night. He said, well, I can't see it. It looks the same way it did when I left just a few days ago. He said, well, I've spent endless hours on this one piece. I haven't stopped working on it since I last seen you. The friend looked at the painting once again and said, I just can't tell you've done anything. He said, I just can't see it. The artist, Michelangelo, said, well, I worked on the finger of this person in this painting for over a day. Then I spent countless hours working on the one earlobe of this person. Also spent some time on the wrinkle on the person's face. The friend asked, why would you spend so much time on little things that mean nothing? 
that great painter said, little things make perfection, and perfection is no little thing. Don't ever underestimate what God, through the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives, will do with us in little things. But he also used little tasks. Just a little task. A little task. I want you to get this. We're going to go to the crucifixion. We're going to go Jesus Christ dying upon a cross. The earth had shook. The sun had been blotted out. The veil of the temple was torn in two. But yet while Jesus was dying for the sin of all this world, He looked down at John and He said, Take care of my mother. Out of all of these things that were going on, He had one request. Behold my mother. Take care of her. Does that not seem strange to you? We can't even fathom all that was going on as Jesus hung upon that cross, what he was enduring. But in one task, he stepped away from everything and said, Behold, my mother, take care of her. Little task. Then on even that glorious getting up morning, when Jehovah God through the authority in which He possesses our Lord Jesus Christ came up victorious out of that grave, victorious over Satan, victorious over sin, victorious over death. But then Jesus still took time to fold His garment. Little things. Little tasks. What does that mean for me? What does that mean to us today? What's so wonderful about that? Well, it's this. There is never anything too small for my Lord. It's not always big things that bring honor and glory to the Lord. So often it's just the small things that are so precious in His sight. Just the small things that we would be obedient to do for Him. Just the small thing that no one else will ever know except Him and the person who received it. Small task. Then, the small task. We take even our salvation. All that Jesus had to pour out. All that Jesus had to endure. All the, uh, His death that He faced in this salvation. But yet the simplicity of it. Simplicity of it, Brother Joe. It's simple. I've had said to me before, you're trying to make salvation too easy. My answer is this. No, I didn't make it easy. Praise God, He did. I didn't have anything to do with it. I just received it. Easily received it. How wonderful it would be if we would just be little people from a little place doing our little best in every little task to bring honor and glory to our big God. You want to celebrate Christmas? You want to feel the worship of Christmas today? I'll tell you what you do. 
you go in and ask Jesus, uh, for God to forgive you of your sins through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you say, Lord, I just want you to be that exact thing to me, my Lord. I want to move in every word and every action and every thought. I want you to be glorified through it. Use me during this time to tell this world who you are to me. That you'll get the honor. You'll get the glory. And every little thing that I do, every little place that I may be, every little word that I might say, you will receive glory from it. And you, my friend, will experience the birth of Christ Christmas the way that it should be experienced. Without that, you will not. You'll miss it. And all it was was a show. How would you like to celebrate Christmas this year? How will you celebrate it? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning.